Roll for initiative. Welcome to Honor Roll, the podcast that helps you level up your role-playing game. LARP, tabletop, mush, and everything in between. We're not better gamers than you, we just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have more fun at your game, because the only way to win at a role-playing game is to to have have fun. fun! I'm Ryan, I'm the curmudgeon, and joining me as always is Carrie the legend. It's a me! And Jason the favorite. And also the most fresh. The moist fresh? No. Do, do you know what the fre- what fresh is from? Fresh. No. What is it from? Erie, Indiana. Oh, yeah! yeah. Of course! <laughs> That's the game I should be playing. Oh, God. That'd be a great game. <laughs> it I mean, needs to be the same amount of goofy as the show and the same amount of spooky at well, the same yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. That's what made the show Speaking amazing. of fresh, spooky, and goofy, let's talk about our Patreon backers. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> at least you didn't call them moist. That's good. <sighs> All right. So we have uh, a bunch of people who back us on Patreon. It helps keep the show on the air and pays for uh, our equipment and hosting and things like that. And occasionally pizza. And we are super thankful to them and they get free stuff. So if you'd like free stuff, become a patron at patreon.com slash honor roll podcast. And whoop, this whoop. week we're going to talk about some of them because yeah. we're required to by law. That's right. <laughs> Who's our first? It's the law. Cameron Pruitt. Cameron Pruitt. He's my favorite. He just, That's right. He just sent us a postcard from Warsaw that wasn't from Warsaw. Well, he bought the postcard there, and then he sent it when he got home. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute. I like it. And then we've got Ryan Martin. Ryan Yay, Martin. Ryan. Who is just starting to post again on Facebook. We, we did like, notice that he is still listening. Which is secondary importance to the fact that he's still backing. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> We've also got Drew Carey. Yeah. Drew Stevens. I was just seeing if anybody would catch it. <laughs> yes. Now, Drew Stevens. Who came to our panel and we enjoyed talking to yeah. him. That's right. And Noah Coltrip. Who still hasn't sent us. Still hasn't sent us. Sent us his character for us to roast. That's okay. We'll promise to roast it within six months of getting it. (laughs) And we have one more. Who's who's the last one? We have Sarah. Dakota has renamed her, so that may be her name. That might stick. That might stick. Yeah, she was very excited when when Dakota gave her that name. Well, there you go. Isn't that how you summon Mothra? Oh, no. You have to do it three times. Okay. Sarah's, Sarah's going to come bursting in the room. <laughs> in a, a dark room in front of a mirror. Sarah. <laughs> if you want a shout out, we'd love to give you one and you can get one by helping us keep the show on the air by becoming a patron, a patron at patreon.com slash honor roll podcast. And of course you get free stuff. Yeah, if you postcards do and books yeah. and prints and all kinds of fun stuff. So bookmarkers. bookmarkers. When last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were at this table recording a podcast. All about Trixie, my dog, <laughs> clacking her nails across the hardwood floor. I think we need to do a Trixie podcast. And the worst part is she didn't even come in here. Nope, she just wanted to make sure she's she, yeah, she part, I'm part of the podcast. Hey, everybody, don't forget I'm here. <laughs> we need to have our Trixie moment every episode. <laughs> don't we? Yes. We, we, we do have one. We, we just, just generally edit it out. out. <laughs> right? 
<laughs> so, uh, when last we left our intrepid adventures, we were actually at Conuga recording a podcast. We were at a good time. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Did it was you- a packed room of almost five. five? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Though we had. Uh, Drew Stevens was there, and of course my wife and some other people from Game. Right, mm-hmm. but uh, probably the most interesting for a podcast was a random guy who walked in, who's like, "My daughter is fixing to start role playing, and let's yes. talk about that and yeah. make sure that that's not a terrible idea." He was awesome. Yeah. After we tried to dissuade him from the idea for a while, <laughs> yeah, he's, like, just, just he's like, "Nope, we're doing it. We're doing it." <laughs> now you know what? His daughter's going to be just fine because he is interested and is helping. Yes. And, and anytime a parent is attentive and present, you know, they're, the kid's going to be all right. Yeah, absolutely. Please listen to our parenting podcast later on, which is called Pay Attention, Damn It. Right. Uh, <laughs> Mommy, speci- listen to me. Specifically, you're going to want episode 36 called Don't Let Your Daughter Hang Out With Our Friend Brandon. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Brandon's awesome. So <laughs> we're not Well, hold on. It is Brandon listening. If he's we can talk shit about him if he's not. Yeah, but That's if he's right. not listening, then we can... Brandon, if you're listening, let us know at the next game, and I'll make a coffee for you <laughs> from the free coffee area <laughs> at the hotel we play at. Okay. <laughs> I'll find someone to give you a hug. Aw. Yes. That's a totes adorbs. Not me, of course. No, of course. he doesn't want My that. hugs are not free. No, no. No, no. There's- so, uh, Kanuga, let's talk about Kanuga. Kanuga, I think, went really well. Right. So we recorded a live podcast there. We did. It was first thing in the morning, which I think is why we had uh, not a huge turnout. But yeah. an engaged one. But it was a very engaged turnout. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also did hosted another panel about how to deal with problem players. Yeah. Which we were supposed to record, but didn't. And it went great. Probably better than the podcast. <laughs> and there it was, was a great roundtable. There was probably... Uh, a dozen, maybe 15 people at that one. It was really good. Uh, and so that was really cool. Yeah. Kanuga's gaming track seemed to go really well this year. It's, you know For what? some reason. I, I want to uh, say that I've been going to Kanuga since it first started. And as far as like gaming track and it, it is really, there was a moment where I was starting to lose heart for the convention, but it is, it's turning a corner. Yeah. And Brian got a lot of people bragging on how good he did as a moderator. <laughs> All Which right, is well, weird because no one goes up and hugs people and says, you're the best moderator I've ever but, seen. Okay, but, but that, that happened. That happened. <laughs> people honestly came up to him as I was walking with Ryan like to go get food. And they're like, hey, I know you don't you don't know who I am, but I, I, I listened to that panel that you moderated. And I've never seen anyone do that before. That was great. Right. I, and we don't get to brag on Ryan very often because yeah, so, he's usually not great. Yeah, but this eh. thing. I don't particularly – well, is it a testament to how good of a moderator I am or to how bad gaming panels normally are? <laughs> I think a it's a testament to how smart they were for hiring someone to moderate. I, I think the truth <laughs> is uh, people who have a lot of gaming experience that would make excellent panelists who have lots of information to share aren't always people who are good at public speaking. The best interviewers are not necessarily subject matter experts. Right. And and so, so they interview subject matter experts. Yeah. And they they asked me to just kind of keep the panels moving and on topic and and moderate it and and that's that's really all I did. So but but yeah, it went it was good. So. Kind of like this podcast, you keep it on topic. Well, wait on time, huh? Huh? <laughs> so, what was? Did, did you have a favorite moment and a not so favorite moment? Oh, it was the the Nazi favorite moment. Oh, oh 
Yeah, we had this. We had this weird panel that you know. There's always a panel where there's a person in the audience that thinks it's their panel mm-hmm. and that they can take it over. Hey, I paid to go to this con. I can wreck anybody's fun that I want. That's to. right. It's like Jason at this podcast. <laughs> no, um, but uh, there was a guy who kept asking. It was a panel about villains, and he kept asking questions about Nazis. Nazis. He kept saying Nazis. <laughs> Uh, and he was clearly upset about the fact that Nazis keep being portrayed as bad guys in the media. Uh, and and that, it, for whatever reason, this negative portrayal of Nazis as villains always ignores the truth about them and the beliefs that they had and their, like, their culture system. I, I, was, I, was, I was there and he was just he was just writing that line where you couldn't quite go. What the hell? <laughs> Right, but, but he was so you really like hand signal at me. But he was throw this idiot out. Right, yeah. <laughs> he was far enough. But he was close enough to that line, though, where it was pretty clear he had some sympathies. Yeah, well, hey, that's their talent, isn't it? Writing that line before oh, you I get guess. the thrown but, out. But I, I, like, I've never actually heard someone defend a, a Nazi before like that. Like, like not for real. Like you, you hear about right. it, but you never see it. And it was bizarre because when he started, the room got quiet. And you just literally just saw everyone's head slowly turning with the what the well because hell? there's disbelief at first you're like wait he's joking he's or he's going somewhere that's not what yeah, I like, expect yeah you know and there's a reasonable argument to be made that the trope in fiction of the Nazi right. is overused and, and overused I, yes and that's where I thought he was going at first but then it was like. They're just misrepresenting them. And it was like, <laughs> what? It was bizarre. It was the first time I ever had to shut down somebody in an audience f- because they thought Nazis were all right. And it was unfortunate that they were being portrayed as villains. Hey, yeah. hey apparently he's trying to say <laughs> Nazi representation is important. I don't know. What was, I don't really, know. <laughs> what was really weird was he was dressed like M. Bison. was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I, but I Bison is a fascist, maybe? I don't know. I, well, I mean, but I don't know if he was in costume. Yeah, he wasn't cosplaying as a Bison. Him. He was just dressed in a weird military thing. I'm convinced, like 90% of cosplay, it was probably from an anime I've never seen before. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Right? But it was st- it was strange. It was so Oh, weird. you said he had a stupid accent. Like, not his real accent. It was, he was, like, He was doing faking. some fake... It was some sort of fake Eurocentric accent. Yeah, so it I wasn't. You know, yeah. I. I That's so weird. Than yeah, it was weird. It was just weird. <laughs> it was. It was way too early in the morning it, for that. It blindsided me. I did not see it coming. Oh. <laughs> and that's uh, the last joke we could make yeah. about that. Well, we have a really interesting, cool, fun show today that we've got planned. Uh, we've got. Josh Heath joining us and friend uh, of the podcast. He is a friend of the podcast, <laughs> but he's one of those like uh, fake friends, right? Right. Like that only ran, comes around when he's got something to tell he, us, or yeah, he's got a yeah. game to pedal. So I no. guess, I'll go, <laughs> guess I'll go on on a roll podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, the truth is, Josh is super cool. We really, really like him. Uh, a lot because he uh, is a, ba- a backer of us on Patreon. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that I'll. It was I had a great time at the New Orleans convention I went to like I don't know four years ago when I met him. Mm-hmm. Right, and it was if nothing else had happened there, that would have been worth it. Yeah, yeah, we loved hanging out with him when we were at at HLGCon. Yeah, we have, yeah, it was a yeah. great time. He's a good guy. Uh, I think it's weird that we're talking about him like he just died. Oh. Uh, <laughs> 
about it. Let's say bad things about him like he's still alive. Right before we go. <laughs> right before <laughs> right we interview him. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's go ahead and... Uh, so Josh has uh, some cool new games happening. He's got an awesome product on Kickstarter right now called Snowhaven. So we're going to go to Combat Rounds and talk to him. Welcome to Combat Rounds. Today, we are joined by the mysterious, illustrious Josh Heath. Wow, mysterious and illustrious. Well, you are illustrious. What do I, uh, what do I, get, what do I add to that title? I need to uh, get something else, a third thing. Moist. Uh, <laughs> moist. Moist is good. No, no, that's what he makes me. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. I, I mean that in a, like, you know, you're tasty. What? What? I don't know. You're There's not. no good way. You're yeah. getting worse. That's the part we'll edit. <laughs> he never edits anything. He's full of shit. I edit the, when I'm inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> that is true. No, then we stop and redo the whole podcast. Right. <laughs> so how are you, Josh? Why don't you uh, tell everybody what, what you've been up to since what you were up, last yo? here? So the last time I was on, we were talking about HLGCon, which happened. It was a ton of fun. Yeah, and you guys uh, did a couple of great recap episodes, so I won't force people to listen to more things about HLGCon, but it was fun. It did happen. Lots of good people were there. I'm glad it's over. (laughs) Since then, I've been working on projects that High Level Games is creating for various um, fantasy RPG worlds. We've been finishing up our one-page fantasy um, adventures, and we are writing a Savage World setting called Archons of Nykud. That sounds cool. anthropomorphic um, warriors is the word I guess we could use. Anthropomorphic warriors in an age of tumult, um, which is going to be exciting. I'm writing the um, squid people for that. And our jumpstart, which is going out for Savage World Adventure Edition, is... um, it's actually, I think it might be going out next week or the week after. I can't really say. But I'm also um, developing and kickstarting a setting called Snowhaven. Whoa! Okay. So I've already backed Snowhaven because it had your name on it, and I didn't have to read anything about it to just know to go ahead and back it. And I didn't back it because it had your name on it. Oh! I didn't have to know anything about it to uh. be like, nope. So tell us about Snowhaven. Sure. Um, so Snowhaven is a setting that a friend of mine, um, this is a person I've known for 20, we're just going to say 20 plus years. Right. And Fair. Since y'all were both in your 30s. Hey. Right. <laughs> um, he has been creating this world, developing this world for about as long as we've known one another. And he's run it in Pathfinder 3rd Edition 3.5. Uh, I don't think they did a 4th edition version, but they ended up converting it to 5th edition fairly recently. And he just moved to China. And he said to me, hey, I have this setting that I've been working on for 20 years. Do you want to publish it? And I said to him, sure, let me look at it. Because I knew he was a writer, but I didn't know if he was going to be a good writer. Absolutely. And after looking through the setting, I said, this is awesome. This is one of the coolest things I've seen um, from like a an indie fan sort of space in a long time. Let's 
get it up to speed and get it out there, and um, and that's what we're doing. We're putting it out there, and it's already gotten a lot of support, which has been exciting. So what's that process look like of getting it up to speed and getting ready to publish? Because a lot of our listeners uh, want to publish a game one day, so they'd like to know what, what you do to take something that's essentially a fan creation and turn it into a, a polished professional work. Well, can we – let me ask one you question. circle around? Just, just before yeah. we do that, is Snowhaven being published – by Josh, or is it being done through High Level Games? It's being produced by High Level Games. Okay. Now, All right. I'm a partner in High Level Games, so it gets really weird when it's like it's sort of a me project and it's sort of a High Level Games project. Right. Sure. It is officially a High Level Games. Project. It's it's sort of like Eddie Webb doing Pugmire through Onyx Path. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. To to Jason's questions then uh, about uh, about how does this sort of development work. Uh, I, I know it's huge in China. This game is. It's huge in China. It's making Snowpunk great again. No, okay, yes. we're not doing this. Speaking Whoa. of things that need to be edited later. Wow. Um, so the question was, what does the process look like for taking a game that's a fan supplement and then making it into a polished product? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sure. I don't remember what the question was yes. at this point. So, if you could, yeah, that's good. So what we generally do is uh, the first thing we do is do two reading passes. Right. Where myself or one of the other members of the team will read through something that someone sends us and go, is this worth the time, money, and energy to do anything with? How much? And sometimes it's a, a five-minute process. How much had he prepared? Like how much, did he, how much did he send you? I think we had 23 pages of documents to begin with, um, which is, for what this is, is about what I expected us to start with. So he had 20-some pages of documents ready for you. That's, that's a good chunk. Yeah. He, he really could have published this himself if he had the skills to do layout and things like that. Like he probably could have easily put it out as a DM skill product. It was like it was that close to being ready. But when you've been working on something for twenty years, you know, like, hey, this is the core of the setting. This is what we really need to focus on. And we took that and we added things that we thought needed to go with it. You know, we were like, we could easily get this up to sixty pages by expanding the glossary, which is what we did, by adding some uh, mechanics that weren't there, and just deciding like. What else does this need other than, like, hey, this is just the basic thing that you're looking at? Okay. So does fun. does fifth edition fifth edition has some form of OGL? I'm assuming it does. Yeah, it's still using the the weird thing is it's still using the OGL from 1999. <laughs> for for those of us that are dumb, what is OGL? The Open Gaming License, Thank you. Uh, yes. which was pretty revolutionary when Wizards of the Coast decided to do it but they basically said anyone can create uh products in our using our system if you follow these specific rules we'll allow you to reference it say it is for our products and you'll be able to publish it which isn't, is how pathfinder started and how a whole bunch of other companies started in the early isn't there 2000s. some new twist in fifth edition that you can't say like dungeons and dragons 
you can't in any OGL okay. say Dungeons and Dragons specifically. Right. You can say it's compatible with the fifth edition of the world's greatest role playing game. <laughs> like that. Right. Okay. Can you tell us about the setting? Yeah. Um, so Snowhaven is a snow punk fantasy setting. Um, we're coining a new genre term, and you can. Uh, I hope people mock that and also enjoy it at the same time because. <laughs> When I was looking at this, I was like, there's something different about the setting that's not its not steampunk per se, and it's not traditional fantasy. It's right on the edge of both of those. Steampunk as a concept is just, or the steam elements are very small in the setting. They're just barely there, basically. But there's gunpowder. There's, like, early um, gunpowder, like, weapons, the things like flintlocks and mortars and cannons. They're very present in the setting. But you've also got this place that's covered in snow. It's in the Arctic Circle of this world. And the people there are basically barely hanging on for survival, but they've been able to do that for about 2,000 years. And the setting is filled with corruption, but it's got a little bit of hope. Like, yes, there's some grim dark there, but there's also at the same time a sense of hope and growth and potential but it could all go poorly in two seconds if a crop fails or if the ships don't make it in during a summer season. So it's this really weird, like, you've got this sense of adventure and wonder that you have in steampunk, but also things that are holding you back and, and keeping the darkness very, very close. And that, for us, is what snowpunk is about, about the sense of there, there's the hope of the future and of technology but at the same time, there's this real threat that everything is going to go to hell if you're not really, really careful. It sounds a lot like my real life financial situation, <laughs> right? Like all the there's some of, hope. If but there's <laughs> hope, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. But boy, one air conditioning repair and it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, what's is this the first time that HLG, that High Level Games, has kind of taken? Uh, an outsider's project on? No. So this is... Now I'm trying to, to count how many. I think this is our eighth product like this. Ooh. Wow. Uh, maybe more, depending on if you count Storytellers of All Projects that we've worked on. This is... Um, we've done a, um, a template folio that we put out for 5th um, edition. So um, people that want to like bring in the idea of templates to NPCs and things like that, we um, did the one-pagers, which were sort of the same thing. People were bringing their outside ideas. Um, so yeah, I think it's our eighth product of one form or another like this. Is this the sort of project that HLG is interested in pursuing? You know, outside creators make something and bring it to you to, to bring it to publishing space? Yep, yeah, one of our big things when we started is we, we want to be the link between folks that have a cool idea and don't know what to do with it, don't know how to edit it effectively, or don't know how to do layout, or don't know how to put something on drive-through RPG. All of these things sound super easy, and it's just we've built up an infrastructure to make it happen now so that we can help other people do it. It's been one of our major focuses from the beginning for high level games. As somebody with a Google Drive full of unfinished projects, this <laughs> sounds amazing. <laughs> I should just link you to my Google Drive and say, please publish something and give me some money. I don't care how much. 
You say that, Jason, and I'm almost interested in taking you up on the offer and looking through your stuff. Well, no, you don't want to look through his stuff. Right now, I'm sending you the link (laughs) to my Google Drive. Feel free to do anything with anything. (laughs) So what would you say made, really stood out about Snowhaven? What was the thing that really grabbed your attention? It was probably the fact that the firearms rules were so well designed. The group of players, um, having run through so many different iterations of Dungeons & Dragons rules to get these to 5th edition, you can see like a lot of the different firearms rules uh, in various D&D supplements that people have put out are good, but they're never like... You can tell they've never play-tested them a lot, and I don't mean that <laughs> derisively. It's just, like, people create rules and they think this is going to be great. This set of rules, you could really see, like, the process where the players had said, this needs to do this, and yes, they're more powerful than regular weapons, I would say, in D&D, but they're not much more powerful. They're just enough more powerful to make them interesting, but still be very well balanced. In, in this setting, if you're playing a normal character, more than likely you're using a firearm. Is that accurate? No, I would say um, the average character is still probably using some mix of magic and um, fantasy weaponry, swords and uh, bows and arrows and things like that. But firearms are just regular enough that it wouldn't be odd to have two gun fighters in a, in a party. How heavily do you lean into the D&D fantasy tropes in this, like elves, dwarves, etc., dragons? Yeah, pretty strongly, but also because it's a high-level games product, we've tried to push away from certain elements of D&D, D&D's kind of problem spaces. It can be, yes. um, So one of the things, like, which is really small and subtle is instead of using the word race, we call them species. Right. Uh, So... All of the species in D&D are present in Snowhaven. Right. It's de- it was designed as a 5e setting, so we leaned into that. Um, so you have Dragonborn, you have Tieflings. Um, the interesting thing about our Tieflings and our Warlocks is that there's a whole religion um, in opposition to the more um, positive gods that some of the um, characters will interact with in the world. Um but the, the quote-unquote demons that these warlocks are uh, connected with are actually positive beings that are just at war with the other gods. Okay. So there's a little bit of moral grayness there that we're trying to, like, lean away from. Like, you're not – there's nothing that's truly lawful evil in the world. Okay, that's, that's fun. It's kind of like how a Norse myths put the Acer versus the uh, Vanir, and neither one are bad guys. They're just yep. different. Yeah, Exactly. So if I'm playing Snowhaven, what's the cool thing to play? Like, what's the unique species? The hook. The the hook. (laughs) Like, what's the thing I can play here that I can't play anywhere else? In the the first edition of the setting, there's going to be the the coolest hook, I think, is the gunpowder domain for clerics. That does sound cool. I like like that sound already. (laughs) Where you get to lean into the whole, hey, I'm going to be a gunslinger, but I'm also going to be a follower of one of the gods who's a gunslinger. Yeah, I like um, it. Clash and, and boom get boom. little like advantages as all clerics do, but specifically around using your firearm. And Fun. it's well balanced and interesting. Exactly. Ab- excellent. Now the second edition, which the way we're doing our Kickstarter is when the campaign ends, mm-hmm. you're going to get the first edition of the game. It's right. going to be delivered to you 
I, I've been saying right after the end of the campaign, just in case like my life explodes, in, it, like, like it does hours before. So, but it should happen within a couple of days at the latest of the campaign ending. You're going to get the PDF, the first edition, um, and then in the second edition, we just uh, got a developer to create a Yeti race. <laughs> oh, I, I, I want to be a gunslinger Yeti. <laughs> yeah, right. um, I can't say too much about them yet because they haven't been fully developed, but they're going to be Steam Tech gunslingers oh. as a thing. So. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you sold me. That was it. I know I, I said already backed it, but that was the moment when you sold me on the game for sure. When the writer came to me with the idea, I was like, yes, immediately, go, do it, make it happen. You talked about everybody getting the PDF of the first edition. So what is the first edition? Is that like his original notes or have you – or is it more like that's like your your company's first pass through the the text? So the first edition is – it's something that I would have been comfortable publishing as is, putting it on drive-through RPG, selling print-on-demand copies, and letting it go off into the wild. And I'm comfortable. I'm very happy with the art and the layout and the editing, which I was involved in all of that process. So I guess I'm tooting my own horn, but I think <laughs> I'm so good at this. Me, 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 me. But I would have been comfortable people seeing that. I'm comfortable people seeing it now. Um, but I wanted some. I wanted. One, I wanted a cover that was really ours, that wasn't using stock art or stock images at Fair. all. So we decided that Kickstarter would be a good way of getting that in particular, um, which was what our first goal was basically, hey, we're going to get a new cover for this. And then um, I also want to get some more content that's in there. So as we've gotten stretch goals, we've gotten some more content. Some of that's already been written. Some of it's in progress. Um, but some of it is we're still contracting out. But... We knew we wanted to expand this a little bit more, um, both from an art perspective and a design perspective, um, just to give people a little bit more um, and give them a good reason to back the Kickstarter. So that's why we've done the second edition. That's what the second edition is going to be. So are you using are you using all original art or are you using some, uh, you know, it's not clip art. What do you call that? Royalty free art? Doc- or- Stock art. Stock, stock art. art, yes. So are you using stock art or are you using uh, all original or, or kind of a mixture as fits? Yeah, so right now it's all stock art. Everything in the book is stock art in one form or another. Um, I did get uh, an, um, a non-exclusive license to a couple of pieces that are were not out there. Like people probably won't just find these randomly. Um but someone could, after they see them, they could go and license them to use them for their own book. Um, in the second edition, we want to use less stock art, but looking at some of the things we've expanded into, we will probably use a little bit of stock art as well, um, particularly for things like um, monster species and things like that that we'll be adding to the uh, Monsters of the Snowway supplement that we've added. There's a, a balance between uh, keeping the book affordable and and also having artwork that is is exclusive to your book it's mm-hmm. it's hard yeah yeah that is the hardest part of any role playing game product i think yeah. wow i'd never considered that art is not cheap art's not cheap and also <laughs> if you have too much original art you can't sell the book because nobody can afford it anymore right <laughs> that's 
That's one of those weird, stunning revelations for me because I'd never thought about. Like I knew art costs money, but it never occurred to me that you would suddenly price the book out of your uh, right audience. And, and the the strange thing about it is the art is actually the really the seller. You it know, grabs the people. When somebody just picks your book up on a shelf, that uh, you know, they, if your friend has the book and you pick it up and look at it, you flip through. And if the art is garbage, you're out. Yeah, huh? it's easy. You're to, yeah, I can I can see that. Like that one I told you I bought at uh, McKay's for like five bucks. Right. And uh, every single it's called Corporea, and I don't know what it's about, but I know that there is no art that they paid a penny for in that entire book. <laughs> <laughs> Every single image is, at best, a photo-manipulated piece of royalty-free art. Everything. Yeah. Which has its place in some games, like Dark New England, when I wrote that. All of the stuff in there is stock art from one place or another. Right. But but even then, you've got to curate it yes. to be somewhat decent stock art, right? Right. They did not. <laughs> <laughs> It was, I swear, if they just filled the book with ladies laughing at salad, it would have been better. Right. (laughs) I would have played that game. game. (laughs) Can you speak to that a little bit? What it's like to to be art directing on a project like this where you're trying to balance those things? Yeah. Um, One, it is the hardest part of this. Um, The smart thing that I, the smartest thing that I ever did was when I got into writing articles for high level games back two and a half years ago, almost three years ago now, I said to the team, I was like, hey, I'm going to invest in some stock art uh, Patreons. And I could afford it at the time. So I ended up backing three different artists that have Patreons that um, do stock art. And every month they would deliver their stock art. So that was amazing in that I've built up this entire collection of stock art that now I can use. But it took me almost three years to spend... I don't want to even necessarily say, but somewhere between two hundred and six hundred dollars, probably in stock art. Yeah. But now I've got stock art for all these projects we're putting together, and it didn't so. cost you all at once. Right. Exactly. That's actually really clever. Investing in a bunch of Patreons, so that's something that a smaller gaming company could do and build up a huge portfolio of art over time. Yep. And, and an it, artist could it do that for itself, like long term, <laughs> in a way you wouldn't even think about. And when I was doing it, I was doing it just so we would have images for our articles on the site. But right. now you have a bunch of images. That's crazy. Yeah. Let's talk then a little bit about the writing parts of it. So he's he presented you with with a, a big bulk of of the writing already. Uh, you know, I don't want to say finished because I'm sure there was editing and and polishing to be done but a good chunk of the writing had already been been at least done done in early draft you still needed to hire a few writers to write a bit more how do you go about deciding who to hire so that's a good question one i don't know if we've we've said the creator's name his name is justin weaver oh thank you yeah we should have opened with that (laughs) (laughs) Um, the um the book is officially and will always be referred to when I can as Justin Weaver Snowhaven. Um, he will always have his name on the cover. Um, it was part of my deal with him. I was like, you know what? You created this. I want your name to be like one of those people that you see their book and you're like, oh, it's that dude that I know his name, even if it's the only thing he ever puts out as an RPG. Right. Cool. Is it so Josh Heath presents, presents Snowhaven? <laughs> Josh Heath presents Justin Weaver's <laughs> Snowhaven. <laughs> Uh, no, we could have done that. We did not do that. <laughs> okay, I'm uh, sorry for interrupting you, but it was fine. Right. Um, <laughs> it's so what he does. 
when we decided to uh, to pick out writers for this, my main thing was I wanted people that I thought would give things to the setting that Justin couldn't. So Justin's perspective very strong, like he's a very noir detective-y type writer. He's very good at that like style, but I needed a counterpoint to that. And so for me, I've built up again over the last three years a lot of relationships with writers and creators in the industry. And I've, I, I basically knew who I wanted to work with early on. And then when I needed one other person or two other people to work on things, I would put out to other people, Hey, I'm looking for someone to write this. And they would connect me with someone that was a great uh, resource for that. Um, so I have been working with Tara Clapper. She did a lot of the extra writing for this. So the two major writers, the two main writers so far, are Justin and Tara. Um, and Tara did a lot of the in-world fiction that describes the um, the different things that are particularly interesting about Snowhaven itself. So one of the things that Justin did was he wrote a 35-item glossary of these are things that people talk about in Snowhaven. And then I gave that glossary to Tara and I said, hey take each of these glossary terms and turn it into a in-character letter to someone. Oh, I like right. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. So there's lots of cool things. Um, there's a drug, and uh, it's called uh, cinder seeds, I think. Off the top of my head, I don't remember if that's the right term, but um, that's a fun these term, cinder though. seeds grow as plants out in the ice wastes, and they can be harvested for making this really strong hallucinogenic. So she wrote one letter that talked about the seeds and their medicinal properties. And then there's another letter later on about the psychotropic elements of it. And playing with those different layers of the setting, I think is one of the things that I think is pretty cool about it. When will the second edition be in in the hands of the people who backed it? I'm hoping now I'm going to say this and I'm going to get in trouble. I'm hoping we can have it done within six months of the Kickstarter ending. That's not bad. Yeah, it's pretty aggressive potentially, but even considering with the expansions, it's not going to be huge. I don't think it's ever going to be over 100 pages. You know, 100 pages is a great size. You You can read that in a long afternoon Mm -hmm. or like two nights before you go to bed. Or a good dump. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whoa, see a doctor. (laughs) It's a a potty chunk. (laughs) 100 pages? Stop. Well, when you, by the time you fill it up with all that stock Ooh. art. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. no. Oh. That's bad. Well, yeah, so the goal is to keep it fairly slim, but the advantage is that we've given ourselves a year. We said February 2020, we'd have it out to everyone. Just in case we run into any issues, we can overcome the issue and still get everything delivered to backers. But the goal of the Kickstarter wasn't to wasn't to create something that we'd spend years like finalizing, but to give people like, we're almost there with this anyway. Just help us get like the last few things that we need for it so that you can get this and enjoy it and run it and play it, which was the whole idea of giving people a workable first edition to start with. I think the best thing that Ryan ever said about that he learned from doing a Kickstarter was be 80% done when it closes. (laughs) At least. (laughs) At least. (laughs) Kickstarter money's for finishing, not for starting. Definitely. Yeah. And you see so many issues with the Kickstarters that are early on in the process. And that's something I'd never want to, something I never want to get into. Yeah. My, when, when I wrote my book, I 
fulfilled the Kickstarter and the book was not far enough along as I've learned, but this is, I mean, this is, we're also seven, seven years ago. Wow. I I had no idea it had been that long. Six or seven years ago. It's been a while, but anyway, uh, I was not far enough finished with it. Uh, and the time that it took me to finish, first of all, was longer than I had anticipated. Of course, uh, something always comes up. Uh, and the other piece to it was that, uh, it was right at that time when the post office, literally doubled the cost of international shipping. Do you remember when yeah. that happened? Yeah. And and uh, at the time, I didn't realize what a huge uh, role-playing thing Europe was was in the middle of. It was in the middle of that hu- the huge renaissance, boom, yeah. right? And, and so half my backers, literally half of my books had to go to Europe. And, so uh, he had a very successful Kickstarter, and we lost money. Right. <laughs> By the time it was over, I actually had lost money because my shipping prices had doubled. Yeah, so. I, I understand completely. Um, I ran a Kickstarter for a child's book that I wrote back in 2014, and it got picked up by a publisher after we did the Kickstarter, which was great. But fulfilling the Kickstarter, uh, we barely broke even right. because of shipping. And it's one of the things with Snowhaven, we were like, well, how do we get around that? And the way we're doing it is by print on demand, which is great that drive through mm-hmm. RPG offers that as an option. So all of the printed books will be print on demand through drive through RPG and they'll have to pay. You'll have to pay for the production shipping, but that's still going to be a lot cheaper than if it was something that we printed ourselves. We right? talked to Craig Campbell about that a lot not too long ago, and he said that basically he doesn't produce physical copies. That's a drive through RPG problem. Yeah. We, yep. we talked to... Uh, he said, I have a one-bedroom apartment that is not a book warehouse. Right. Yeah. And will never be a book warehouse. Every, pretty much every indie publisher we've ever talked to, whether on the show or privately, has been like, well, print-on-demand only. Yeah, they, everybody who's been doing it for a while, they've all got some sort of my house became a fulfillment center horror story. <laughs> yep. I have, uh, I think I still have a hundred copies of my ch- children's book <laughs> sitting in a uh, uh, closet. Ryan just had a really big 400 t-shirts from HLG Con. So. Uh, how many t-shirts? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, well, we purchased 400 and I still have three boxes of them. Oh no. <laughs> They're really great shirts. I wear them to work all the time. You need just, just start handing them out. Hey, how, what, what will you take for three more? We can talk offline about Okay. That. Okay. <laughs> I noticed that at three thousand dollars, one of your stretch goals is a a fillable PDF character sheet. That's exciting. Yes. Whose idea was that? <laughs> oh. Ouch! <laughs> so one of the things is we try to keep our stretch goals very um, very within scope. Yeah, we don't want to say, "Hey." We're going to make something that's going to end up costing us more money than we make in the long run in art and writing and so forth. Um, people actually really like custom character sheets as, right? as not exciting as that is for a lot, like for some of us who can just go and print out a piece or describe a piece of paper and call it good. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people really get into them. So we were like, hey, we're going to offer that as a stretch goal. I have Adobe Acrobat. We can you know, create them fairly easily. So um, it's a, we decided it was something that people could. It's a into. good enough idea that when you posted on your Facebook page, Hey, I need stretch goal <laughs> ideas. I said, do PDF fillable sheets. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. 
<laughs> I, I want to say that I, I actually appreciate that these ideas are reasonable because I've seen big companies do Kickstarters and have some amazing deluxe version of their game, and it takes them, what, like three, four years to fulfill it because of tiny little hiccups that kill the whole process. Right. By the way, you've just crossed the $3,000 threshold, so you're getting PDFs, <laughs> fillable PDF sheets, and you're, wel- you're welcome. <laughs> that was the one that kicked it over. Because I just backed it to get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Are you going to help me make the character sheets then? <laughs> Tell us about <laughs> Tell us what your freelancers make that do their <laughs> do character sheets. Right. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I'm going to ask an odd question because this okay. is the kind of thing that fascinates me. All right, you know, I'm I'm developing a game of my own, right? So I'm going through a lot of these things already. Was there something when when all of this started coming together and you got the the first draft, you know, manuscript and stuff? Was there something that just did not work amidst all of the awesome? No, no, it's a good question. Um, the truth is, is that because this was such an iterated setting, we weeded out a lot of that stuff over the years. Sure. Justin and his players, and I was, I'm, I can't promise you this, but I'm 90% certain I played in his first version of the setting. Oh, that's ago. awesome. Um, there were, there were little bits and pieces of things that just didn't work through the years that they kind of weeded out. That type of playtesting, you just don't get all the time. Right. Um, so it's the good thing was is we'd already like pulled out a lot of that stuff. Um, I think the only place that was rough was the adventure that Justin had written that he gave me to look over, um, and it's still in some ways a little bit rough. It feels like a really early D and D adventure. It's a very dungeon crawly sort of thing, but I kept it because it gives you just enough of the flavor of the setting and it's easy to run. So as much as I would say, like, this isn't a perfect adventure for the setting, it is a perfect way for um, GMs that don't have a lot of familiarity with the setting right. to build into it and, like, layer elements of the setting into the story as they go. It's a, it's a starter adventure. Yep. Okay. Well, you know, those those adventures that are in the back of books always are, are very mediocre anyway because they're meant to also teach you mechanics and, yeah. what, you know, help you figure out what you're running. Yep. So. Exactly. So what is your favorite element of Snowhaven? I don't know. I've, I think I've already said them in some ways. <laughs> it's the Yeti, right? The, the Yeti gunslinger, absolutely. <laughs> the Yeti gunslingers are very high on that list. Um, actually, my favorite is... Is I'm going to be self-referential uh, for a moment. Is something that I wrote for one of the monsters. Um, there is a um, the language we've leaned on for most of the words is Latvian. Um, so a lot of the words, if people are familiar with Latvian, will recognize them and kind of be like, "Oh, haha, I get the joke in that." But there is a um, a cat, uh, like a, a snow leopard type creature that is capable of disappearing into the snow. Oh, I like uh, that. And moving through the snow as if the snow was just not there, like it was air, basically. And they sort of fit a, the same space as a displacer cat does, but they're very setting-focused. So that's one of the cooler things that I think is going to be in the book. 
Awesome. I can see them attacking like a boulette out of the snow. It just—it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's—if—if uh, if you don't mind, can we can we talk for a minute then about the uh, anthropomorphic savage worlds thing that you're working on? Yeah. So, Archons of Nykud, um We've been a Savage Worlds ace, which is their um, pinnacles um, affiliate. That's not the right word. Their um, licensee program we got really lucky um early on when we were writing our one page adventures we got really really good art for the first one and um pinnacle was like hey we will let you be an ace first product out of the gate which is pretty much unheard of wow and um since then we've kind of been like developing this idea in the background like okay like we want to create a setting for savage worlds what's it going to be and we ran a microscope setting uh session and microscope is an rpg where you basically build a world it's a world building rpg Hmm. and we ran microscope as a planning and idea brainstorming session for this setting that we would eventually write and then savage worlds adventure edition went on kickstarter and Pinnacle said, hey, do any of our aces want to create a jumpstart for your setting for um, to be compatible with suede? Hands Which darted you- into the air. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> me, me, me. Exactly. Um, so we, um, we decided, okay, hey, we've got this idea. And um, the general idea is this, that there are these archons. And archons are the spiritual and magical successors to these um, legendary first archons that lived within the world. And each of the species of the world has archons that um, randomly appear in really important eras and times and usually rise up and become major leaders. So we have four races in the jumpstart. The, um, the Leonid Kathulim, the um, squid-like Grimpatex, the falcon Sekoli, and the spider Kakrax. Each of That's these a great name. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was leaning towards squid, but now I'm going to play a spider yeah, person. Kakrax. <laughs> That's right. Kakrax. That's yeah. great. I love that. Yeah, it's amazing. The care the um, the gentleman that created them. Um, does this like spider voice and movements whenever he like talks about them? It is perfect. It's amazing. Um, but each of these species is um, kind of fighting over this uh, this area around three seas, and something is happening in the adventure in the jumpstart. The Grimpatex, the squid people, are coming to the surface for the first time, and they're coming to the surface. Um, in their eyes to be like diplomats and friends, but they do so in such a way that's so scary that everybody is like, we're going to kill these guys. <laughs> um, and the Grimpatex, one of our like kind of joking conceits of the setting is that the scarier you look, the friendlier you are. <laughs> so the Grimpatex look horrifying. They're like a bit steam techie um, squids that, you know, use these, breathing apparatuses to be on the surface, but they really want to be friendly with everybody, but that's so not obvious to anybody. <laughs> and then the the lions are the like 
horrible, evil bastards of the setting. Right. Cool. I love it. Where can we get that one? So if you backed Savage Worlds Adventure Edition, you should be getting it soon. Um, if you didn't, it's going to be out on DriveThruRPG once it's been delivered to um, Savage Worlds backers. And it's going to be free. It's a jump start. It's going to be free. So um, at least I'm 98% sure it's going to be free um, or it's going to be very inexpensive. Um, and people will be able to pick it up on DriveThruRPG. Make sure you share a link to our uh, Facebook group when that happens. I will. Absolutely. Can you say the name of it again? Because it's a little odd. Yeah. Wait, wait, hold on. It was the Archons of Nykoud? Nykoud. Yeah. So we've mixed Greek and um, Hebrew um, for a lot of the words, like, in the setting and a little bit of Latin as well. So Nykoud is animal in Hebrew. Okay. I like it. So... It's just, it's a reference, like anyone that knows Hebrew is going to laugh when they, they read it, because it's going to be obvious, oh, okay, these are archons of animals, but it's, <laughs> it's a cool-sounding name also. Well, it's do, really badass, and I can't wait to show it to people. <laughs> cool. Do you have any, any other projects you're working on that you want to mention at all? HLG Con 2020? Uh, we'll talk about that someday later. Maybe. <laughs> like in 2022. <laughs> we'll talk about 2020 then. What I would like to shout out is we're almost done with the Beckett's um, Vampire Folios. Cool. We are three away from completing those. They're an epic. Uh, they've been a long process of creating character sheets for every single chapter of Beckett's Jihad Diary. And um, being three away from the end of those is such – it's so refreshing to think about. What volume is it? Uh, 26 is the one we just did. Goodness. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> it's intense, yeah. Uh, where can where can people follow you or find out more about these projects? So I, I guess start with with just high level games. Plug yourself. If you Google high level games, you will find us. We are the top. Uh, we are on every hit on the first page of uh, Google when you look up high level games. Um, but the best place is our website, which is highlevelgames.ca, or you can go to Facebook at High Level Games. Or Twitter at HLG underscore corporate. Or you can go to Twitch at High Level Games. They're called YouTube at High Level Games. Okay. You are everywhere. everywhere. He's ubiquitous. <laughs> <laughs> you joke, but I think I'm on 700 Facebook groups. Good. Well, yes. I recently uh, – so one of the, the best things about stepping down from OST was I removed myself from over 100 Facebook groups. And that and takes forever. First That's of all, it takes fast. forever. Second of all, one day you wake up and you're like, oh, I've got three notifications. <laughs> and they're and all from people I know. Not 300 <laughs> that I'm obligated to read. Right. So what about, uh, what about Snowhaven? Where can they find that? Because they've still the got – The Kickstarter still they, kicking, right? You still have a couple weeks to back that, right? Yeah, Kickstarter is still going. The day we're recording, we have 26 days left to go. It ends March 31st. So you can go to Kickstarter and look up Snowhaven. Um, we'll also we'll also put the link in the show notes on our website. Sweet. And then uh, you said uh, Nakud is just something that's going to be available uh, on Drive Through RPG once once it's released by by the Savage Worlds folks. Yeah, so the jumpstart will be. Now, I'm going to give you a taste of something that very few people know. Oh! Exclusive time. This is this is where he <laughs> offers me a job to help him write this book because it's so cool. <laughs> Here we go. 
We um, no pressure. We are expanding the book out to a full setting book. Okay, sweet. And we expect it to be on Kickstarter by the end of the year. Wow, that's Ooh. fast. Yeah, we um, we are pretty deep into development, and things could get pushed. You know, we, I don't want to say it definitely will come. Out Real life fast, happens. But yeah, and um, we'd rather wait for a better product. Right, exactly. And we are, we've been doing a little bit of playtesting, but um, one of the things that I'm excited about is that there is going to be a, uh, several more species that we haven't told anybody about yet. One is going to be polar bears. Cool. Oh, awesome. I want to be a gunslinger. Po- Wait, no, wrong no, game. No, wrong game. <laughs> You're mixing your genres. <laughs> so, yeah, so there will be uh, polar bear species in the, uh, f- the full version of our concept IQ. Cool. That's fantastic. All right, well, I'm going to uh, just offer us for if you need someone to uh, play, test it, because that sounds fun. <laughs> it does sound fun. And, Absolutely. And I want to play a spider person. I want to play a penguin <laughs> barbarian. <laughs> a penguin barbarian? That's right. <laughs> so you say that, Jason. I, oh! I'm not lying. <laughs> You you say that in the Southern Alliance. Now we haven't we have not finalized that. Sure, sure. But the Southern Alliance is supposed to be an alliance of polar bears and penguins. That's right. Our penguin hordes will overwhelm you. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, brothers, bring your shiny rocks. All right. Well, the the last thing I want to just mention is is you are uh, you are part of a writing team for a LARP that's coming up as well. That tickets are on sale for. Do you want to plug that real quick? Yes, so anyone that's interested in cyberpunk should check out Cyberpunk 2020, the LARP by Jackalope um, Studios. Now, I can literally say absolutely nothing except it's going to be cyberpunk related. It's run by Matthew Webb and um, his partners through Jackalope LARP Studios, and people should go and check it out. It's amazing, and I am right at the edge of my NDA. That's right. It sounds good. <laughs> that's where we want – that's our perfect area. That's that's what the podcast is that's about. Right. Not we, we quite like that, violating NDAs. That, that, that <laughs> moment of terror in your voice. Of like, Did I say too much? We like to be we like to be somewhere between uh, making lawyers nervous about NDAs and making listeners nervous by saying moist. <laughs> right? That's the that's our where we want to fall somewhere in between. So, uh, mostly, we're just uncomfortable. Like yeah. our tagline, almost actionable. Yeah, <laughs> we live somewhere between cease and desist and moist. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Josh, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you hanging out and telling us about all the cool stuff that you've got going on. Absolutely. I appreciate hanging out with you guys anytime I get a chance to. Don't cease and desist. Continue and persist. Whenever you need me to. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, it's going to be awesome, uh, I hope, and uh, and I look forward to – he mentioned the gun belt. Yes. That's what – Okay, we're listening. I, I wasn't. He's not used to us actually paying attention. His stuff, I know, is going to be awesome. <laughs> My stuff, I hope, is going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be awesome. I've seen some of the little teaser stuff that you guys put out. I'm, oh, I'm excited. About you should that. see the new artwork. It's amazing. Uh, we'll have to send you some pictures later. It's yeah, okay. I'm excited. <laughs> like I knew it would be Blueberry. good, but that is just. <laughs> You see something though, you're like, I didn't expect it to be like it's so well. Like I mean, that. I mean, I came in here and I was just like, Well, wow, you have some drawings abilities. I guess, well, you're if okay you would, for your age, if you would do more stuff that was good, okay, thank you so much. Have a great night, Josh. We appreciate you joining us. That's thank right. you.
Welcome to Game Wrap. That was exciting. That was the best ever. It was the second best Josh Heath episode we've ever had. I'd say it's the third. We've yet to have the best. It's oh. in the future. Oh. Well, look, all, all I know is I don't care there's Yeti gunslingers. Oh! I'm good. Yeti I'm gunslingers, good. yeah. And with that snow on them and stuff, they're like moist Yeti gunslingers. No! Oh. No, not if it's snow, it should be dry and powdery. But let's keep saying moist as much as possible. Right. I'm a okay. normal fan. Yeah. I'm a fan. I don't know what the problem is. Have you ever had cake I can't, I can't. that was damp? No, no, I've had moist cake. No, actually, I actually had damp cake. It was disgusting. Right. I was going <laughs> to tell you what the problem is, but I can't now because uh, I've talked over you. I've signed an NDA. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's let's give out XP, uh, Josh. Um, Josh gets one XP, and that's just because he, I really feel like he just phoned this episode in. Oh. <laughs> we're the best yeah yeah jason you get six xp uh that is one xp for uh each of the numbers that add up to six okay carrie (laughs) (laughs) carrie you get seven xp uh and that's because uh that is six for tolerating each of Jason's ones mm, and add okay. up to six. And then you get one on your own that's simply for uh, just you being you. You do that a lot. You know what? I'm going to call bullshit here. The DM clearly gives his girlfriend extra XP every week. That's why I give you extra XP. Oh, Jason. no. You give her more every week. Oof. This is some favoritism bullshit. Probably. Yeah, yeah there's probably favoritism going on. If she wasn't playing the cleric. Feel free to email. <laughs> Jason. Feel I would flip this table if it wasn't so heavy. Feel, feel free. That's why to, you can't play the barbarian. Feel free to email the ombudsman. The ombudsman. With it. Oh, yeah. All right. Join us next week when our topic is why the hell is my Christmas tree still up? <laughs> Until next time, uh, I'm Ryan, I'm here with Carrie and with Jason, and uh, remember, the only way to win at a role-playing game is to have, have fun. fun. Yeti Gunslingers. Fun. those who are here on the podcast and nobody else. All of the music is courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com.